Thanks for tuning into High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to the horror hands and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. It's getting hot out there. It's getting hot at her. <laughs> when you think of summer, what movies do you think of? It's that time of year where you break out your summertime slasher stack of films to watch. You know, the ones that you watch when avoiding going outside on hot days, where you live vicariously through the poor bastards on screen sweating and running for their lives. I would think you would probably beat Joey from Friday Part 5. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, man, that's I'm going to let that slide. Okay, I'll get you back later. Anyway, uh, we're, dis- <laughs> we're discussing our three favorite summer camp horror films today. Uh, there's one or two that I think are expected on most lists that are, you'll find on ours, but I think that there's a few that aren't on most lists that you will find on ours today. All that and more today on High, High on, on Horror. Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. All right, well, I guess we're going to start this episode by smoking like we always do. What do you got for us, John? I got some more of that Colorado weed. Colorado. That's a honey crisp cake. Honey crisp cake? Honey crisp cake. Well, we smoked the blunt of it when Kenny was in town. Uh, There was so much weed going around, I don't remember. 20.2% THC. Damn. But uh, we also have another blunt of it today. Hold on, this is... uh... Oh, it smells good. It's like it smell uh, like honey honeycomb crisp. No, what, what the <laughs> fuck's the name of that cereal? I fucked honeycomb. that all up. There's honeycomb, and then there's also honey crisp. I think so. Oh, uh, so it's just honeycomb. I thought it was honeycomb crisp. No, no, no I don't. I don't know. I don't, uh, you Google don't know it. Shit. Fucking Google it. I don't know. I'm about to. No, this smells really good though. It definitely has an earthy smell, but it's sweet. Definitely uh, has a nice aroma to it. Fruity. Um, so look, before we get started here and talk about our uh, summer camp movies. I wanted to take a second to discuss a few things about summer camps. Uh, John, have you ever been to a summer camp or any kind of camp? I have been to numerous summer camps through Boy Scouts. I don't... Probably about four or five different summers just... No shit. Fucking... You know how I hate the heat. That's what I was... That's that's surprising to me because naturally I think, no, John would melt in the heat. Oh, dude, I didn't want to do dick. How how old were you? I mean, I was a... Like from when I was eleven till I was like fifteen. Okay. Okay. But like my parents, like I didn't get a choice. I was told you're going. Like <laughs> they were probably like, we need a week without this motherfucker. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, they're paying for it too, though. I mean, shit costs yeah. money. And that's my first ever Boy Scout summer camp was at Camp Noby Bosco, uh, which is where they filmed the original Friday the Thirteenth. Um, they tried to use that as a scare tactic. Like to scare the kids, where it was like, they were like, "There's a, there's a Jason at the bottom of the lake," and like, I don't want to spoil anybody's illusions. It is not a crystal lake. You can't see <laughs> shit. It's just like brown, like water, uh, but, murky water. Yeah, like like pond water. Like, <laughs> but they were like, "Oh yeah, there's like, a." Jason. Would you eat a fish out of that water? No. Uh, no. Okay. No, I would not. They were like, uh, and sometimes there were snakes. There was like water moccasins a couple times the kids had, had to get out of the water. No shit. But anyway, they tried to scare the kids and they said that there was a uh, Jason in the lake. And like, I was like, really, is there? And like, they're thinking it's scaring me. And they're like, no, no, there's not really one. I was like, I was like, they're, they're like, you don't have to be scared. I'm like, 
no, I'm not scared. Like, that'd be awesome. Like, is there really a Jason? Like, do, do, do you guys have like a dummy in the lake? And they're like, no. I was like, damn, like, fuck. Like, I was excited. Like, they're trying to scare the other kids. Did you have to do chores and shit? Like, did you have like No, because it was a Boy Scout summer camp. So the way it would work is we would get up in the morning. They did a thing. I mean, I don't know why it's called the polar bear plunge when it's in summer. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, the water was cold, but like you would get up at 6 a.m. every morning. You didn't have to. I did. But like you would get up like at 6 a.m. and everybody would like go and run and jump in the lake for like five minutes. Okay. Um, like a wake up splash kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And okay. then you would come back. You would Skinny have to. Bra- no. <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready for that. Uh, then you would. Uh, you would work on like your merit badges. You would have different classes. Like I did like a forestry class, which was really cool. Cause for like six months after I could look at trees and like, I'd be like, it's just this kind of tree. And then like after a year, I didn't care about it anymore. <laughs> like <laughs> forgot everything I learned about trees, <laughs> but, uh, but then you would have lunch and then you could either have more merit badges or like what a bunch of us would do would like skip the class and just go swimming. What were you doing though? Like, uh, like, did you do activities? Like, did you whittle sticks and make fires? And I mean, shit? it all like, it all depends on what, what merit badge you were working on when you were there. You would work. I mean, some of them were like citizenship, where like, like I said, some were like forestry. So like, you would like take hikes and like, oh, this tree's blah blah blah. You okay, can tell because okay. of this. Like I said, I don't remember any of that shit. <laughs> and then in the evening, they would have events. Like they would have like, uh, I guess you would call it like advanced hide and go seek. Where, like, you had to, like, capture people, and you would have, like, a prison where you could, like, have to capture people, but then people could sneak up and free the people. Oh, that's cool. So that was, like, a fun thing they would do, or they would have, like, they, they did, like, the Olympics and, like, was stupid shit where, like, you do stuff in the water, or, like, the one... The one I did is you took a, a griddle with a pancake, and you would, like, flip it and try it and try to, try to do, like, tricks with it. So, oh, so you'd, like, cr- throw oh, it up and, like, put the pan between your leg and try to catch it or like something like that. I'm good on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. On, speaking of food though, uh, what's your favorite summertime food to eat? I mean, burgers and chicken off, off the grill is always good. Well, it, uh, at like summer camp though, you weren't really getting that. It's funny because we were, I, we were going to bring this up and I actually went and like looked up like, what boy scouts get now for like summer camp food i'm like the fuck they got vegetarian options like my fucking (laughs) options where you eat whatever this is or go hungry like (laughs) there was no like vegetarian options well let me ask you something though while we're talking about uh yeah like vegetarians that have their steak in the world yet right um is there anything like not camp related just in general is there any food that like you don't eat year round that you eat particularly during the summer Cause like, I don't find myself really eating hot dogs like year round, but like for some reason during summer, I mean, they like, pop I up. I might pick one up from Wawa or like seven 11 here and there, but, uh, not to do with camp, but like for summer, like I know you're not a big sports guy, but yeah. like a baseball game and a hot dog, like, like a nice warm, like summer evening, not, 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 not too hot. That's amazing. A cold beer. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I mean, I've been to baseball games. I don't mind baseball, you know, and, uh, yeah, cold beer and a base and a, a cold beer and a baseball, cold <laughs> beer and a hot dog or like a soft pretzel. I'm a sucker for soft pretzels, man. But uh, I feel like watermelons another one that I really don't eat okay. any other time okay. of the year. I'm not a big fan of watermelon, but that is definitely a summertime food. But yeah, 
And probably like barbecue chickens definitely won. I guess in general barbecue, like we're, I'm not, we don't barbecue year round. Nah. So yeah, I guess like that's a good answer actually is a, for, that's probably most people's answer is barbecue food. Unless you're going to like some uh, restaurant or something and getting that shit. And I, I was going to say. Uh, Burger King getting that flame broil. <laughs> I will say like I enjoy as much as I hated the fucking heat of like my summer camps. Yeah. I enjoyed all of them except for one. Um, I had broke my thumb like Ugh. maybe a month or so before camp and I had to get a cast and I couldn't like go swimming at camp. Like that's one of the number one things about like summer camp. It's awesome. It's like you get to go swimming. Like, yeah, yeah, I can see I that. I was like, this is kind of like shitty. <laughs> Do you have any, uh, like horrible experiences dealing with counselors or other like kids or anything, any bullies or assholes or. Oh man. Also at the Jason camp, Noby Bosco, like that was probably honestly my least favorite one. It was like my first time away from home. So I got like all homesick. Yeah. Anxiety. And dude, like I just had horrible fucking luck with like, like the way we weren't in fucking cabins, like Friday the 13th. We had, they were basically wooden risers. They had like little legs and a little platform. Okay. And then they had metal beds with like springs all across. Just that sounds terrible. Yeah. So, and then it just has like a tent kind of thing. It has, you could tie the flaps. Oh, so like, <laughs> okay. To like close it, but it's still open. You had to have mosquito netting, period, because you're sleeping outside. Dude, like my mosquito netting was not working. I was getting bit. The one night I go to bed and on my bedroll, I don't know what was on it. It was covered in just ants. Like, my whole bed was covered in ants, and I'm just like, what the fuck? This is horrible. I want to go the fuck home. That's like, two t- hours yeah, away bad. from home. Fuck this. Ugh. Yeah, bugs. I don't fuck with bugs. But after not. that, like, I had some other ones. I remember one time I fell out of my bed. Like, I woke, <laughs> up, I woke up, and I was like, I just kept feeling, like, crunchy stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it was just, like, leaves underneath me. Damn, And I was like, out. how the fuck did I fall out of bed? You were Chuck Liddell out. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's crazy, though. Uh, Fuck, I ain't even sparked this blunt. <laughs> I don't think that people realize, you know, you listeners out there, I don't think that a lot of you realize how big of a business summer camps are. And despite the fact that so many movies are based on people being killed at camp, parents still send their kids there. <laughs> um, no, in all, serious, in all seriousness, though, uh, there are some nightmare stories about kids being abused and murdered at camp. That's why I'd never send my boys to camp. I'm not judging those who do. I'm just very anal and overprotective. Um, there's this case from 1977 called the Oklahoma Girl Scout Murders, where three little girls between the ages of 8 and 10 had been sexually assaulted and murdered. Their bodies were left on the trail leading to the showers outside. The case is still unsolved, despite them thinking that they had caught the bastard. The guy they took into custody, his name was Gene Leroy Hart. Uh, he was acquitted, though. And uh, just this year, actually in 2022, it was said that although it's officially marked, quote, inconclusive, end quote, evidence strongly suggests that Gene Leroy Hart was involved in the assault. So, yeah, deep and scary shit. Yeah, I mean, fuck. 
some of our movies ain't that bad yeah i know right um and uh but anyway back to the positive <laughs> um regpacks.com says that there are more than so, french packs so they, so they eat about that lail pack <laughs> i knew you were gonna make a remark Fuck, I, did, I didn't even notice that in the notes until you just said it I put, <laughs> fucking wrench pack that's a fucking insult oh you bringing that wrench pack <laughs> unless it's unless it's a blogger like this is um regpacks.com says that uh there are 12,000 summer camps operating in the United States, including 7,000 overnight camps and 5,000 day camps. Um, also, the summer camp industry profits upwards of $15 million a year. Wow. Really? I would, to be honest, I would have thought that would have been a higher total. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, more than 6 million children participate in some form of camp, uh, sleepaway camp and day camp. That's a lot of kids, man. Six million. Yeah, I still think that fifteen million a year should be higher. <laughs> well, uh, summer clan, summer camps employ uh, one point five million staff a year. That's so between that's one point five million and the six. So you got seven point five million people employed a year. Well, at the camps. A at year. the camps a year, yeah. Eighty uh, percent of camps are social media are on social media as part of their marketing. I'm sorry, they use social media. I mean, that makes sense as part of their marketing. The average cost of running a camp for one year is between seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and one million dollars. I really, I, I. It it sounds about right, but I just wonder what the breakdown is of like their costs. Well, you know, I'm not a math guy, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not. Yeah, but I'm just wondering, like, what is their biggest expense? Is it staff? Is it, Probably, is it maybe, electricity? Maybe like, supplies of food. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how that's broken down. Yeah, um, maybe pro- probably also property tax and shit. Yeah, um, that yeah, I could see that too. Um, and uh. We also have one here, a statistic that says 86% of camps have a website and that that's actually considered low because more people should be online. That you think 86% is a good number, but when you realize that we're living in this day and age, like now that's a lot of people not online, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's kind of a low number as well, but I I also uh, would be interested to see, has there been a decline in summer camps as technologies become more prevalent when i did this research i was looking at that i was hoping that i was going to find some sort of like chart that said summer camps have like are kind of dying out but it was all about how they're flourishing apparently that's surprising and that's i like that that's awesome <clears throat> like i said like when i think about summer camp a lot of time i just think about how fucking hot it was <laughs> that's and, the like, worst part right if it that's was, the if worst it was cold part, but you'd like, have been fine it's fun like i had fun like I, like you know i met people from different states um I don't keep in touch with any of them. But, but like, <laughs> well, that'll was, come up later. <laughs> I yeah, have something to say about but that. But, like, I mean, like, I got to meet new people, like, from different states and shit. And, like, most of the summer camps I went to, honestly, we were the only troop there from Delaware. I'm not surprised. Nobody gives a shit about the kids in <laughs> Delaware. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so here's some more statistics uh, that I figured would be interesting to break down and talk about. Uh, CentralFloridaLifestyle.com says that 96% of kids that said 96% of kids said that one of the perks to going to camp is that you make new friends. Um, I think the characters in our movies that we're going to be talking about are more into killing people than making friends, but that's okay. True that. Um, 93% of kids 
said that camp helped them get to know kids that were different than them. Now, you just mentioned this a little bit, but my response to that is kind of like, no shit, isn't everyone different from you? Like, what, do people go to camp and expect clones of themselves? Like, has anyone ever come home from camp and been like, eh, I didn't make any friends or click with anyone because they were all just like me? (laughs) The funny thing is, like, honestly, if it was people from my troop, and I feel like our troop was a bunch of assholes. <laughs> like, we, we, we would all just, like, fuck with other troops and shit. I can see you being a part of that. Some Child's Play 3 shit going down. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody got shot. Nobody replacing guns with, uh, or, uh, real, uh, fucking paint pellets with real fucking <laughs> ammo rounds. That'd that did terrible. not happen. <laughs> well, uh, however, uh, okay, 69% of parents... Of children who attend camps said that that their child keeps contact with their camp buddies. Now, you said that earlier, so you haven't kept... So, I mean, it's kind of... 69% is kind of a high number, though. Kind of. No, kind of. I mean, yes, 7 in 10, but I guess I fit in the 3 out of 10, it didn't. You're also not very social, though. I wonder if the people that are like... Also... I also wonder when these numbers are from, because, like, when I was going to summer camp to age myself it was the late 90s like mid to late 90s okay actually okay. yeah yeah it was late, it was late 90s and i guess early 2000s so you never wrote you never uh texted or wrote anybody nah. from camp texted Back. what the fuck was texting in 2001 you remember that little blue square nokia everybody had that bitch oh yeah <laughs> I, had, I think my first phone was like monochrome oh shit well um here's another one 92 percent of people said that camp made them feel good about themselves. That's funny because I think of severe bullying when I think of camps. I think I'm just like brainwashed by the movies I've seen because I've never been to camp, but Jason got drowned. Angela from sleepaway camp gets bullied beyond belief. Cropsy from the burning gets picked on by kids and gets Freddy Krueger in return. I'm sorry. He picks on kids and gets Freddy Krueger in return. Um, and I, I wonder how truthful the statistics are here because I feel like this is like more than 8% of people feel bad about themselves or are bullied. If there's six million kids attending camp. Yeah, like what I was going to say. Hold on. Here you go. Uh, what I was going to say is there was a kid in our troop that got severely bullied oh, man. one year at summer camp. So much so that they kicked like uh, the three of them were actually a family. Our troop ended up when we got back kicking them out of the troop because of it. <clears throat> like they took shaving cream and we what we used to do for summer camp is we didn't take backpacks we took foot lockers no shit and somebody i guess got his lock off and they just put shaving cream all through all of his fucking clothes oh it's so fucked up you don't fucking wash clothes at summer camp like i literally had bags that i would just put my dirty clothes back in for when i would like went home like, right you're in the you, middle you of your cabin anything. in the fucking woods right yeah. like yeah uh and they like threw his wallet into the pool the one day, but uh, dude, that shit makes my stomach hurt. Like I but, get fucking so mad hearing but that shit. In the end, the dude turned out to be a sex predator. So oh, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe oh, maybe they knew something we didn't. Maybe they got the jump, <laughs> or it was their fault. Maybe it was it was his. It was, they were lucky when his dick they was throwing in the pool instead of his wallet. 
<laughs> anyway, so I thought that was an interesting twist that the bully kid ended up becoming a sex predator. So. Yeah, that's so it kind of makes it hard. Make it looking back <laughs> yeah. on it, kind of makes yeah, it hard funny, to feel bad the whole time for him. You're like, oh, oh, I'm like, yeah, but I know where this story is about. To I was gonna say, I was gonna say you didn't stand up for him, but imagine if you did. What if you did stand up for him? You're like, man, that's like, that dude. I, I did fucking not helped. Like, like that dude. Like, I got my ass whooped helping a sex offender out. <laughs> that would suck. Like, okay, I'll be honest. Like, he nobody liked him like at all. Like. <laughs> But even, like, the other people that didn't like him were like, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, everybody kept saying, like, dude, like, look, we get it. We don't like him. Like, what you're doing is fucked up, though. Like, a little too much. Yeah. Um, okay, so last Turn that extra dark. Yeah, we did. We went pretty dark with that one. Um, so 74% of children said that they tried something they were afraid to do um, while they were at camp. So the elephant in the room here is that I feel that a lot of this is referring to sex. Um, <laughs> really? How many movies Dude, about there's getting... there's a lot of stuff at summer camp that, like, I was <laughs> Maybe thinking that's just of where stuff my mind that goes I had right fears away. at at different points of summer <laughs> camps I went to, and none of them I was thinking of was sex. How many movies are about getting ass at summer camp? <laughs> How there many also movies? movies. Are, you know, okay, but I've never been to but camp. But I guess, is, in fairness, my, you know, my that, summer camp experience was with all guys. And you were a little younger, too. If you were 16 or 17, you might have been getting some, you know. You yeah, 16 been, and 17 is when I stopped going to summer camps. You might have been camps. meeting people at the waterfront after the social. I could have you know went as saying? a counselor, and I was like, so I get to spend two months here just fucking sweating all day, every day? I'll pass. Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I feel that... Uh, the, the campers that voted, the 74% of, of uh, campers that voted that they were afraid to try something or that they tried something they were previously afraid to do, I feel that those kids probably attended band camp. <laughs> That's fucked up. Uh, all right, so let's, they got flutes. <laughs> let's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk about food again. Um, a lot of summer camps offer good food. Pizza is a big one. We had talked about this earlier. You said you, you also looked up a recent menu. Um, I was going to say, I remember, I don't know what it is, man, about Chinese restaurants and summer camp pizza. It is not made well, but that shit is delicious. Like at Chinese buffets, you have, have you ever got a slice of pizza? I was Chinese? there earlier today. I went to a Chinese buffet with my wife and children earlier. Yeah. I, Did I, you uh, grab a slice I of pizza? I always do. Yeah. Dude. That pizza is not good, but it's fucking delicious. It's, it's just a kind of what you'd heat up, like a Red Baron. You know, it's, yeah. not, it's nothing. Yeah. It's got its own unique taste. Agreed. And you're like, this isn't top quality, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> That's the way it is with summer camp pizza. The same thing it is with the Chinese buffet. Okay. Well, uh. And well, the same with spaghetti, I thought. Well, now I'll know if I ever, if my uh, 35 year old ass, about to be 35, ever ends up, uh, in summer camp, I'll know to make sure I look up that pizza. But um, <laughs> uh, meatball parm is another big item uh, at camps. I just uh, had that tonight. Barbecue and meatball parm is my favorite food, man. I love like on a sub, chicken parm. I don't my care. Uh, I'm sorry, that's what I meant. Chicken parm, <laughs> chicken parm, like a, on a roll or chicken parm, like a sub, any kind of parm, or just good. chicken. Yeah, any, or just chicken parm like with noodles. Like yeah, man, that's my favorite food. Anyway, um, barbecue and uh, any barbecue really is good, but uh, a lot of barbecue pork goes down at camp apparently sign me up i don't remember getting fucking pulled pork fucking <laughs> summer camp why'd you say it like that pull pork pull pork it's <laughs> gonna it's gonna be my gamer tag pull pork <laughs> p-o-r-t pulled pork <laughs> anyway i was gonna uh, say one that they used to serve a lot at least for me was uh beef stew 
feel like that was just a staple. There was one day you'd have. Just I'm not beef a fan stew. of beef stew just in general, though. So I'd be I'd be sketchy to try the some problem summer camp beef. Stew. I feel like the, they dump that shit out the can. The meat some is never more. tender enough. If the meat's cooked tender enough and it just kind of falls apart, then yeah. I like the beef stew. But there's so many that I'm like, why am I chewing this for three that minutes? That gummy meat, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they dump out like that that dinty more, John. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking Andy about. Andy Moore. <laughs> um, but uh. Uh, so hot dogs aren't high on the list at summer camps, believe it or not. Like that, that goes to show you how little I know about camps because I thought that all the fuckers ate that. that. Doesn't I mean? I guess the times are changing, but every summer camp I went to, they had a hot dog night. How hard is it? It ain't like they fucking like grilled them either. They just took them fucking Johns, just threw them in a big ass pot and just boiled that motherfucker. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Was that I feel that hot dog? Apparently, it's not something that's offered often, and it's like I, I would imagine like hot dogs should have been like an everyday item. Like here's like the dish, it's or like, you can have a hot dog. Literally like, how the is easiest thing to cook. Yeah, and it, it, that's true. Um, but uh, can't they camps do have some good breakfast foods? I was looking up their breakfast foods. You can look online at camp menus, and you'll see that it's just endless breakfast items. And uh, so <laughs> you'd, you'd know where I'd be because I'd be stuffing my face with breakfast, and I'd not eat the rest of the day. You know, I'm talking breakfast burritos, scramble, sausage, bacon, pancakes, bagels. Bring it on. You know, breakfast food's my favorite food, so Dude, I would be fucking summer camps, fucking that shit up every morning. <laughs> or breakfast food's cheap to start with so like it doesn't really matter to summer camp but dude they, they they would make fucking omelets some things were fucking delicious oh like where did they do like uh what is it, like a western omelet where they put the green pepper and pe- onions the way and the way we used to do it is you could like customize the john yeah you, we, 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 we would have like peppers onions ham bacon i think and mushrooms and you could just like whatever you wanted you just tell them what you want on it dude the one one of our assistant scout masters i would always cook with him because you would get to eat like if you help cook you ate last okay but when i would do it i would volunteer when he made omelets because this dude's first omelets were terrible and we me and him acknowledged that he told me i finally called on his beginning omelets were absolutely horrible but as he kept cooking them and went on, he made them omelets better and better. So then I'm with him. So I'm getting his last one where he's at his peak performance. He, he caught on to me. He's like, I noticed you always pick me because you know my omelets are bad at first. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I'm going to get the good omelets. These people are stupid. But a summer food That's crazy. <laughs> that we didn't think of. I can't believe we neither one of us said it. What's that? S'mores. Oh, yeah, man. I mean... Yeah, s'mores are just everything. S'mores, like the Pop Tart s'mores, the Pop Tart flavored s'mores are like they're good. They're dude. good. They're they're not but not better than Frosted Cherry. That's still my favorite of all time. But cherry yeah. or strawberry? I like cherry more. Uh, strawberry. That's it's strawberry. Yep, yeah, strawberry. Frosted strawberry. Uh, last summer we made when we went uh, to the beach with uh, Nicole's family. The one night we cooked out, I made s'mores. Ah, oh, dude, that's. The worst thing's having a beard and eating s'mores. <laughs> Nicole's like, you gotta go so check hard. your face. I couldn't I couldn't tell, but I just had like marshmallow just like strung through my beard. And it's a bitch to get out. It's so because you're pulling on it and wetting your beard. And, it's a whole process. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to talking about the movies, brother.
All right, John and I are going to count down our three favorite summer camp movies. Uh, a few of these movies actually are not at summer camp. They're just in a cabin or take place during the summer, so but that's okay. It. Deal with it. Um, either way, they are camping, and it is summer, so it is what it is. Um, my number three uh, is Cheerleader Camp from 1988. Some of you may or may not have heard of this little gem. Hard as hell to fucking find this movie. Because when we made our list, I was I was thinking about putting it on here. I was just telling you... And, I was like, well, I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't want to forget anything. And I said, well, maybe I'll watch it at work. And yeah, you can't find it anywhere online. Yeah. And apparently to get it on like VHS or DVD is expensive as well now. It's funny because it's not that good of a movie, but you know, it's, it's, it's a fun movie. And so it's funny to see it go for that. It is exactly the kind of movie I expect when you would tell me cheerleader camp, like I'm not expecting it to be fucking gone with the wind. Well, uh, our, our buddy Joe Bob Briggs gave this movie four stars and said, quote, we're talking some serious cheerleader meat. (laughs) Cheerleader meat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and on the back of the DVD, it says it's quote, B movie goodness, Featuring graphic violence, gratuitous nudity, bad rapping, and more from the glory days of late 80s splatter. Sign me up. It's, it's hard <laughs> yeah. to deny any of that. This movie is about Alison Wentworth, played by Betsy Russell, who you all know mo- most notably as Jill Tuck, Jigsaw's Jill ex-wife. <laughs> Jill, Jigsaw's <laughs> ex-wife in the Saw series. Uh, Allison is haunted by dreams of the upcoming cheerleading competition. Once at camp, she and her friends and fellow campgoers are being hunted by an unknown killer. Allison doesn't know if she herself is committing the murders or not. So it's kind of a mind fuck, and it's kind of twisted who the killer actually is. It all comes down to some petty girl drama like jealousy and other shit. Uh, Director John Quinn actually said that the story was inspired by a girl who made the news for killing her classmate for making the cheerleading team. Quote, this stuff does happen, which makes it more scary, end quote, John Quinn said. Um, Uh, He says this stuff happens like, (coughs) I just coughed right into the mic. Uh, Josh, you just gonna have to do your job, dog. <laughs> so we know that ain't getting fixed now. Uh, anyway, like, does he mean this stuff happens like semi normally, or like it happened in this one case? Because he's like, stuff like this does happen. It does seem like, like he's trying to make it seem like it's an everyday I guess it depends thing. Depends how he said it. Like, yeah, uh, well, it is fucked up, and it does, you know, has happened. I guess you know, but uh, it's still petty, regardless. Um, but uh, cheerleader camp is a slasher that needs to be experienced. It comes off like a TV movie due to bad acting, but with a lot of good I mean, kills. Comes off like a TV movie. Is it, like, isn't that most acting in a lot of the slashers from the 80s? But yeah. I fucking still love them. But it's still just watchable. You know, uh, this movie makes my list because it pops into my head every time I think of summer camps or summer camp movies. Uh, this one comes to mind. It's not the best summer camp movie, but it's fun and it stands out to me. And it's one that needs to be mentioned because uh, it's not enough people talk about this and they should. It's becoming more and more obscure. It's it's funny you say that, that, you know, when you think of summer camp movies, that's one that comes to mind. That's the same thing for me. Like when, like when we came up with this whole idea, um, that was like one of the first movies that popped in my head was Cheerleader Camp. But like I said, I hadn't seen it in forever. Because it's just such a camp movie. Yeah, you know? and I'm just like, I'm like, summer camp movie, summer camp, cheerleader camp. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, also uh, the legend Buck Flower, uh, rest his soul from Pumpkinhead, Escape from New York. Uh, he's in it. He's, uh, he's a real prick, but he has the funniest line in the movie when uh, they're rapping and he falls over. He goes, 
laugh, damn it, you can't sing. It just <laughs> fucking kills me. It's ridiculous. Um, He always uh, played assholes and weird characters, but he always stood out in a good way. This movie also stars Playboy centerfold Rebecca Ferrati, who was also the woman in the first scene in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, who has Ace help her retrieve her shit zoo. Shit. Uh, also, penthouse pet uh, Krista Plafanza. I hope I'm saying that right. And Terry Falanza. Falanza and uh, Terry Wagle, who is also a Playboy centerfold and had roles in Predator Two, Marked for Death, and even Married with Children. Uh, Terry went on to do hardcore porn. Uh, Good just for wanted you, to, girl. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> was uh, that was were you putting that out there for my knowledge? Just 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 a general knowledge. Uh, she got sued by Playboy, actually, for selling porn and branding the Playboy bunny on her site. Playboy doesn't condone porn from anybody that, it, like, you know, let's use the bunny, apparently. Anyway. It's funny you mentioned about, <laughs> was it last week we talked about the porn to yeah. act, horror acting? Like, yep. God damn, how many did you just name in this movie? Well, it, well and, and the thing is, is that, uh, you know, the, the same part of the brain that reacts to horror, which I couldn't tell you right now off the top of my head is the same part that reacts to sex. That's why every like there's this whole thing about sex and horror and like sexy horror. You know, you don't really see like people trying to exploit comedy by dressing sexy. Nobody dresses up like somebody from a comedy movie all sexy. It's always like a horror movie. So there is definitely a tie in of porn and sex and horror movies and sign me up but <laughs> but then uh but then there's Leif Garrett he's in the movie uh the late 70s musician I'm sorry the late not the late the 70s musician and heartthrob um he has a big uh, role in it I, I don't like, he's like yeah but he's not a heartthrob not and, now uh, this point if I rem- if I can remember correctly he uh is balding well, yeah, and he's got a real serious addiction problem. I think that he's uh, been on some of those VH1 shows about, you know, like celebrities yeah. trying to recover and I all that shit. I used to watch that trash celebrity rehab. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Um, I don't know, like, if Leif Garrett is actually a selling point or not. I probably should have left off with the porn. You know, I feel bad because you said the late and then corrected yourself. And I'm like, I thought he died, so I had to go look it up, and he's he is still alive, so. <laughs> I know, that's why I had to correct Good myself. Good for you, Leif Garrett. Right, right. Um... <laughs> all right so let's, let me drop some knowledge nugs about this movie for those of you who do or don't know the movie um here's some uh, obscure things that a lot of people may or may not know um these are directly from the director john quinn's mouth all right let me get there my notes slipped <laughs> <laughs> his mouth all right here we go Coming straight um, out his mouth though all right uh so cheerleader camp was originally titled bloody pom-poms but the marketing uh, team thought that that title would sway TV stations from airing it, so they changed it. Um, bloody pom poms. I think they said that like uh, John Quinn said that he thought that like that was a more suitable title. I disagree. I think bloody pom pom sounds fucking terrible. How do you uh, really? I didn't think it sounded that bad. Really, I, I like Cheerleader I got Camp. Really high on that. Although I could see how Cheerleader Camp might not seem like a horror movie based on the title and bloody pom poms is definitely like a horror title. But I, it seems more sleazy. Like, I feel like Cheerleader Camp, they tried to click. And tried I feel to like Cheerleader Camp, like you just said, how it doesn't necessarily sound like a horror, you might you might be able to appeal to a broader broader audience and with Yeah, it. take people by surprise with it. You know, some people might go, oh, bloody, that's, that might have gore. But anyway, um, 
another one is that uh, the weird old man and cheerleader football sex scene. If you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. The two albums in the living room are Leif Garrett albums. I tried to zoom in on them, but I could not figure out the titles or listen to them, and I know nothing of his music, so the covers did nothing for me. Um, but apparently the set dresser, Bill H. Roberts Jr., snuck those in there. Um, uh, only two scenes were cut from the script, and they were for budgetary reasons. Uh, okay, the fading to red scenes that you see when Allison's kind of uh, waning in and out of dreams, um, that was taken from the Belgium vampire movie The Daughters of Darkness. Not The Daughters of Darkness, just Daughters, Daughters of Darkness. There we go. Daughters of Darkness, which is a pretty <laughs> solid, pretty solid, sexy vampire movie. Damn dog, how high is you? I'm high. Um, also, uh, they had to pay for all of the cabins up front because the people who rented them before that, before the, the film started production, stiffed the owners on paying. <laughs> and uh, Atlantic Releasing got the theatrical rights, but they hit a financial wall and didn't have a lot of money to theatrically release the film and ended up going bankrupt. So the film was just put out, put out straight to video, yet it still got grouped as a, it still grouped a following. And uh, has a cult. It's a cult following now, and uh, just off the home video release, it's got a cult following. So it's pretty cool. All right, my third pick. Uh, some people may have some problems with the pick and say it isn't horror, but I mean it's in the song. They're kooky and they're spooky. <laughs> I'm talking about the 1993 film Adam's Family Values. A classic movie, man. I'm glad that this one made the list and that you brought this up. You know, uh, like Cheerleader Camp, I think a lot of people don't think of this or bring this movie up when summer camp movies, the discussion of summer camp movies come up, but uh, this definitely counts. It's a good choice. Yeah, I wanted to start with the light one here. Uh, Raul Julia is amazing as Gomez. Uh, the few movies I've seen Raul Julia in, he's just amazing in all of them. And uh, this was actually his last film uh, released before his untimely death in 1994. And a uh, little knowledge nug for you, American singer Michael Jackson was supposed to feature a song in the film called Adam's Groove slash Family Thing. The song's mostly rumored to have been removed due to the sexual abuse allegations against Jackson. Oh, shit. Uh, but in reality, it was just because of contractual differences with Paramount. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Why does it seem like everybody always has problems with Paramount? I just thought of that. <laughs> like, The Godfather. Like, yeah, man. It's Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always... People always seem to have fucking problems with Paramount for they some reason. They make good movies, though, man. <laughs> um, yeah, they do. Um, yeah, even though I said I wanted to start with a light one, this is pretty dark for kids. I mean, that, that's who it was targeted at back when we were, I guess I was about seven when it came out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gomez and Morticia hire a nanny to take care of their newborn son, Pubert. Yeah, um, it's funny because uh, Pubert, actually was an unused idea from the comics so it's pretty cool that like they used that that puber got brought that in is the series. a terrible name though <laughs> like, i mean i'm not going to disagree like with how you. would you feel if you were like walking around william penn when we went to high school and your name was puber you'd hate but every nickname would be pube. people school. would just be like what's up pube dude i would you'd like find pube. some nickname and just pray to god that the kids don't find out like what your name really is. You would never get a date. Could you imagine if you were like, hey, you want to go on a date with my friend Pube? <laughs> like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm fucking good. Can't blame oh, them either. Anyway, Wednesday and Pugsley have tried numerous times to kill him. Uh, what they don't know is that uh, their new nanny that, the, uh, that Gomez and Morticia hired for Pubert, uh, Debbie's a serial killer. She marries rich men and then kills them to get their inheritance. Uh, 
Debbie ends up getting Wednesday and Pugsley sent to summer camp by convincing their parents that they actually wanted to go. And then Debbie begins seducing Fester because, you know, he's hot. <laughs> and on Nothing their, wrong with that picture. And on their honeymoon, she tries to kill him by throwing a boombox into the tub. Uh, like I said, this is a little dark for kids, but, you know, of course, Drew and I loved it. Of course, it's a classic. And uh, the kids are at camp, and um, as you would expect, the Adams Family kids absolutely hate it. They have a Thanksgiving, pl- uh, Thanksgiving play, and why the fuck are they doing a Thanksgiving play at a summer camp? Like, that <laughs> shit baffles me. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's a very good point, dude. It really is. That and, is a really good point. Yeah, Wednesday uh, refuses to play Pocahontas in the play, so her, Pugsley, and another kid named Joel are sent to the Harmony Hut, they're forced to watch Bambi, The Little Mermaid, Sound of Music, Lassie Come Home, The Brady Bunch, Annie. And then they all fake being happy, and Wednesday agrees to be in the play. And it's all a ploy, of course, and she stages a coup during the performance and reverts back to her true self. Joel and Wednesday share a kiss, and he stays behind to lead their friends in the camp's total annihilation. And the Adams family siblings return home in a hijacked camp van. I wonder how far they had to drive, because, like, they're pretty young. You'll find me in a van <laughs> down <laughs> by the river. <laughs> so now, going back to Debbie and Fester, she tries to kill him by blowing up the mansion, but Fester once again survives. She pulls a gun on him and reveals her true motives behind what she's doing. The thing comes and rescues and saves Fester by driving Debbie's car into her. Again, like, this is pretty dark for kids. Fester apologizes to Gomez as Wednesday and Pugsley return. Debbie shows up, having taken another car, and ties the family up to electric chairs. Then we have a great example of Deus Ex Machina. Fucking upstairs Pubert is now back to his pale self, and he has a mustache... He's able to save the family through a series of highly <laughs> unlikely events. Happy coincidences. Uh, Debbie, throw, yeah, Debbie throws the switch, but Pubert has somehow reversed the current <laughs> and it electrocutes her instead. And now Debbie has turned into a pile of dust. Yeah, it all happens nonchalantly too. He's not aiming to do anything. He's just like there for casually and like just shit's just happening to him. It's ridiculous. And uh, we wrap up the story. It's at Pubert's first birthday party. Fester's still grieving over Debbie's loss. I don't know why. She tried to kill him three times. Uh, However, he quickly has eyes for a new lady. Cousin It and his wife Margaret now have a new nanny named Dementia. (laughs) In the family graveyard, Wednesday tells Joel that Debbie was a sloppy killer and she would have just scared her husband to death. I mean, it's a solid plan. I mean, he got like a bad heart or something. Like a bad heart? Got a bad heart. Like a bad Howard from X. Yeah, got that Howard Hort. <laughs> that ain't good. <laughs> anyway, Joel lays flowers on Debbie's grave. A hand reaches up and grabs him. And Wednesday just laughs. My question is, if Debbie was incinerated, how is she grabbing him? Or is, yeah, it, just, right. or is it just some rando body in Debbie's grave? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that's, that yeah. shit's weird. Anyway, makes as much sense as Jason popping right back out of the uh, lake in the Friday the 13th remake. Anyway, fair enough. But uh, (laughs) yeah, this one's a solid one. 
How did you feel about the? Oh yeah, I mean, I don't. Did like you it see as, it when you were a kid? I did. I don't like it as much as I like the original, but uh, it was it was right up there with it. It was a classic. Like as it a was, kid, as a kid, you're not really judging it like that. As a kid, it's not. Oh, this one's better than that one. It was more like, oh, I like this one because of these scenes, and I like that one because of those scenes. And they almost kind of even blur together at a certain point. Um, so like you know, or then they did, and then when you get older and you're watching them, you appreciate the different things about them. I like the uh, first one more, but this one is right up there with it it's not a bad movie at all it's a it's a great movie and it should definitely be on a summer camp list for sure yeah like are the adams family a good example of being like good but not great like every incarnation of them like there's at least off the top of my head there's not a bad one like they're all good yeah but they're not like when you think about like any of their movies were never like, oh, the Adams Family had a great movie. True. I even think of that about the original show. Like, I liked the original show, but I'm not like, it was great. It was fun. You know, like. Or the they just found fun. the right people to always play Gomez and Morticia. Like, yeah, they always kept the vibe and like the beat and like the, the, the rhythm of the movies right, you know. But uh, I agree. There's nothing and, great and about Julie them. Julie is like perfect for Gomez because Gomez is over the top. He was a theater guy. Like. Totally. He played, he played it great. Uh, well, uh, I got some knowledge that I want to bring up here. Um, where do we try to, we tend to not get too, uh, religious, uh, religious, really <laughs> religious. Um, po- I mean, political. some people treat politics like religion. Well, uh, this movie was intended to be overtly anti-Republican. Uh, we sway away from discussing politics as I was just saying, but this needed to be brought up to people's attention because I don't think that people tend to look into movies like Adam's family values too deeply. So this fact kind of gets overlooked. Uh, the film's writer, Paul Rudnick told Hollywood reporter that quote, I did also want the movie's name to be a response to the Republican party's Republican party's constant harping on family values as if only conservatives could define a loving family In Republican terms, family values is always code for censorship and exclusion and republicans still refuse to respect or ever acknowledge for example lgbtq families i like to believe that the adams family is far more loving and accepting than their enemies interesting yeah um, i never i'd never heard that before it is right like who looks that deep into (laughs) like the adams family to find like political undertones um raul julia's eye actually fell out on set his real eye just fell out he picked it up and uh, arrived on set the next morning and, you know, apparently just put it in and his eye was all bloodshot, but it worked. And uh, the crew played a prank on him by everybody wearing glasses when he arrived on set. He thought that was funny. I think that's around when he was starting to have his health problems. That's crazy, dude. I would probably freak the fuck out. I'd be scared. I would be like, yo, is that shit going to hit me? Imagine like, if you do like smirk across from him, you know? Is that shit going to hit me? Yeah. Uh, Ready to move on? Yeah. All right, let's get on to our number two. Okay, uh, the number two movie on my list is Cabin Fever from 2002. Ooh, Uh, Eli Roth. Yeah, uh, Cabin Fever is the one on my list that doesn't really fit due to the summer camp theme, but it's summer and the people in this movie are camping, so it's on my list. Uh, It's important that I list this movie, actually, because I love it passionately. I really like this movie. Um, It's also my argument card when people try to give me shit for not liking Eli Roth because I downright despise his other films. I see his knowledge of the genre on screen in his movies, but I don't see skill. I'm not a director, but I'm just being, I'm a fan, and uh, I know what movies I do and don't like, and uh, no one is questioning him as a horror fan, but uh, you gotta have more than fandom to make good movies, and uh, Cabin Fever is before Tarantino's Prey 
praise stamp that came from Hostel. So this movie is Eli before he got a big head and started thinking that he was the shit because he's not and never was the shit. Anyway, Cabin Fever is Eli Roth's first feature-length film. His dad said he knew that Eli would grow up to direct a horror picture after he threw up watching Alien. So... We found Drew's nemesis, huh? I got Rob Zombie. Drew's got Eli Roth. Fair enough. Fair. I mean, let's. Okay, is it is it is it fair to say at this point that if we found out that a movie was done by either, if it was like a movie we were looking forward to, like they're doing the They Live remake and it's produced by John Carpenter, and you're like, oh shit! But then it's like, yeah, it's directed by Rob Zombie or Eli Roth. You're gonna, Ugh, you know, well, like, we know no. that, at least I know in my case it will never be Rob Zombie. John Carpenter hates him. That's but true. But he does like Eli Roth. So that's well, yeah. Eli Roth nestled himself in with the big guys. See, I don't like Eli Roth. I feel like it, it is very parallel to our to my Rob Zombie. You don't like Rob Zombie, but I just really don't like. I can him. tolerate him. Yeah, Eli Roth. Like I don't like him. Most of his stuff I don't like, but I'm not a fan of his. But like you, just whenever he speaks, you just get angry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because. Um, unlike Rob Zombie doesn't, Rob Zombie keeps to himself and display whether or not you like his movies. Um, he keeps to himself. It's like, you don't really hear from him unless he's making a movie or touring or something. But Eli Roth thinks that he's good enough. Like you ask, people will ask you, they'll be like, who's Eli Roth? And you'll be like, the dude that did the hostile movies. They'll be like, oh, him? Why does he have so much to say? Why does his name above Eli Roth's A History of Horror, Eli Roth's A Ghost ter- a ghost Ruined My Life, Eli Roth Presents, who are you? Like, what did you do to earn that? You just got in with popular people, dude. Like, The Hostel is not a good enough movie to put you at the top of a list to be presenting other people's movies. That's not a selling point to me. Here, Drew, I'll take a little heat off of you and make my controversial Eli Roth comment. The Green Inferno sucks. (laughs) People seem to love that movie. That movie sucks. Terrible, dude. It's pretty bad. But uh, anyway... Let's get back to Cabin yeah, Fever. Let's get stop, stop shooting on him. And actually, so, Eli, if you're listening, all the bad shit we said, it's going to turn around right here. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly, because this movie rocks. Um, the idea for Cabin Fever came after Eli Roth was working on a horse farm in Iceland. What the fuck? And called a, yeah, that's the question. Not not the next part of the story, but the first part is, why were you in Iceland how the fuck working did, on I, a horse farm? How the fuck did he end up as a horse farm in Iceland? <laughs> Iceland. I didn't even know there was like horse farms. Horse. <laughs> I wasn't even on purpose. It's just subconsciously coming out now. I didn't even know there was a horse farm like one of them in Iceland. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, that's how I felt too. The that's the question is, what the fuck? Why were you there? What like okay, but uh, uh, but while he was there, he caught a skin virus that was making his skin literally eat itself. Jesus Christ, this story gets fucking <laughs> crazier like by each sentence. And uh, after catching this virus, Eli had to do some research on skin viruses and infections. And as a result, we have cabin fever. Uh, Eli also wanted to bring back grain and zooms and that dark look that movies in the late 90s and early 2000s didn't have anymore. Cabin Fever is about a group of five college friends who travel to Hicksville to a cabin in the woods for some R&R during spring break. Things go south when they start catching a deadly and rapidly acting flesh-eating virus. The movie could have gone the how-do-we-get-help-let's-stick-together route, but there's no fun in that. Instead, the movie takes the route of everyone turning on each other and becoming the bigger threat to one another than the virus that's actively eating them alive. Uh, You don't find out where the virus originated from until the very end, and despite the humor, it's a very bleak ending. 
Cabin Fever is a gorehound's dream, man. Uh, it's a very well, fun watch. Eli Roth doing a gory movie. That's <laughs> all he's got, really, but it worked wow. for this. That was um, backhanded. <laughs> but uh, no, it worked for this because this movie is is, is, is is suitable for that thing. And uh, it's a very fun watch because it doesn't take itself seriously. And it has an odd uh, sense of humor, man. You know, that little kid, uh, pancakes, you know, like, for example, like, what the fuck's up with the pancake kids and his bangs? <laughs> his bangs. His bangs, man. I don't get it. But, uh, you know, uh, but on the flip side of things, there's some really fucking gross and brutal things that happen in this movie, like the finger bang misfire. Everybody, like, you get a, you get a, uh, from everybody <laughs> when you watch that, you know, like, and, uh, the movie has a real genuine summertime, uh, slash summer camp vibe to it. Um, it, it's perfect for late summer nights with the windows open, drinking a lemonade and relaxing with a blunt in your hand. So lemonade do. <laughs> now I got real quick. Yeah. Are, you, are you just a straight up lemonade guy? Do you, do you like the flavored lemonades? I get made fun of cause I like the flavored lemonades. I've only had regular lemonade and raspberry lemonade and i'm not a fan of raspberry lemonade so i've kind of been turned off from trying other flavors i do like lemonade iced tea but that's more for the iced tea element i think so arnold palmer's yeah oh yeah uh i was gonna say wendy's has some like good flavored lemonades they have one i like it's uh mango lemonade oh that sounds pretty good and i've had like strawberry lemonade straw that strawberry lemonade sounds good i would try both of them wow i got Wawa up the street got some different flavor. I fucking love lemonade. Yeah, Wawa's got everything anymore. They yeah, got now watermelon you got lemonade. Some goddamn oh, lemonade, dude, man. You'd, oh, you'd hate that. Well, lemonade is like the worst thing to, to fucking drink when you're smoking. You just get so much cotton mouth from like the tartness of the drink and the and blood. Your lips all thick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh shit. Oh. Okay. uh... The cast in this movie, in Cabin Fever, is perfect. Uh, Jordan Ladd, who's known for her roles in Never Been Kissed and Club Dread, liked the script because she said that it was, quote, totally grotesque and gory, end quote, and it made her sick. Serena Vincent from Not Another Teen Movie has arguably the craziest and cringiest scene in the film where she shaves her legs and, st- and the skin comes off unbeknownst oh. to her. I forgot about that. Right. Well, here we go. Uh, that scene was taken from real life. Once Eli had contracted the had con- uh, contracted the skin virus um, on the horse farm in Iceland, uh, he said he went to shave his face and his skin was just coming <gasps> off as he was shaving. Right. Um, my favorite. I wonder if it was that bad though. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like half might, his face hanging off. I might have been exaggerating. What no poltergeist? Where I don't think he's ripping his face off, but maybe some like yeah. I, I, I guess skin and fingernails really fucks with me. I agree. I can just I can't imagine shaving like sheets or like pieces of skin. That's just yeah. But it's terrible. But um, my favorite characters in the movie are Bert, played by uh james DeBello and deputy winston hey it's the party man played by giuseppe williams uh giuseppe williams giuseppe andrews uh these guys are both from detroit rock city that movie about the group of friends trying to see a kiss concert and they're great in that as well and uh joey kern who plays the asshole in the film uh he uh, he plays the asshole jeff he's still very active although you don't really see him around in anything and that's just i guess me because unless you're doing horror i'm probably not gonna notice you and um of course there's Ryder strong you know sean from boy meets world Ryder strong Ryder strong but uh he needs no introduction but i will say that uh, he does a good job carrying this movie and should get more leading roles um his film career has kind of veered off though so my uh, like my leg skin's so fucked up from thinking about that scene oh i know man it's dude it's bad what's worse that or the finger bang scene the finger bang misfire where he just pulls up like (sighs) it's the skin 
The skin? Okay, I said he pulls up meatloaf. Why did I say it like that? It just looks like he just dipped his hands in the hamburger. It's just like another one that when I instantly think about it makes me cringe. Yeah. Is a love, it was in our Love Gone Wrong. I forgot to mention it. P2. When her fingernail, when she's reaching for the phone and it like snaps back. Fingernails get you though. That's one of your things. uh, Fingernails. I don't know why, like, but it's fingernails. Like, it's just your fingernail, but like, I don't know, something about it. I feel, no, I feel you. That's, uh, that and Achilles, and, uh, Achilles, Achilles, and Achilles, and Achilles tendon. <laughs> fingernails, Achilles tendons. Like, yeah, they'll get you every time for sure. Ooh, They're always yeah. going to get a, ugh. That's the thing I remember, uh, most from, uh, your boys hostile movie. <laughs> well, um, uh, here's some knowledge notes about this one. All of the studios passed on this movie until it hit the Toronto film festival. It got a great reception there, and Lionsgate won the bidding war for distribution rights. Um, okay, here's another one. The screwdriver scene where the bald hillbilly gets stabbed in the ear with the screwdriver is taken right out of Dawn of the Dead, so there's your homage. And uh, whenever the cast complained on set about the conditions or whatever, he would remind them of everything that Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi and them went through when making The Evil Dead and how what they're going through pales in comparison, and that would shut them up. You, uh... He threw that last one in just to make Eli look like a little bit of a dick, huh? <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Well, I think it's more of a, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I it's like, don't, you shouldn't be comparing your movie to Evil Dead right off the bat. It's kind of, but it's, I don't, maybe he's not comparing it. Maybe I'm, again, fever maybe I'm just being a dick. Maybe he's not com- trying to compare, but, um, yeah, like bringing up like your movie versus Evil Dead, um, it's like they're not making Evil Dead; they're making Cabin Fever. So, uh, who, who was it? It recently said about like going all like in depth with movies. He was like, "What? What? What? What if you do that and it sucks? You just like wasted. You know, <laughs> yeah. You're just an asshole to people for no reason." I forget. Yeah, for, oh well, what uh, Mads Mikkelsen, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, totally. That was a funny quote. I guess uh, we'll get on to my. Uh, Number two. Yeah, don't forget the number like last time. Don't lose count. We're only doing three this time. We're only doing three. You got this. I think I got it. Number two. Give me two. (laughs) Let's lock it low, dog. I got the bong packed. We're here at number two. Uh, You talked about a cabin. I got a cabin, too. Uh, Mine does. Well, I guess. Well, it doesn't have a virus, but uh, it is in the woods. From 2011, (laughs) the cabin in the woods. Yeah, man. Uh awesome movie this movie divides horror fans you either get it or you don't the hardcore horror fans i hate using that term but uh i guess uh it's uh you know the 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 initiated will get it more than the less initiated i guess if that's that's how i'll word it um i've said it since day one that cabin in the woods is by far by far has the greatest werewolf we've ever seen on the silver screen designed by constantine sakuris uh, it is the best design I've ever seen, and nothing has stopped it before or after. Uh, Richard Citrone, played by the werewolf, who plays the werewolf, also plays the uh, merman as well. Uh, Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon's emphasis on the werewolf was, quote, the Are you werewolf. allowed to say Josh Whedon in 2022? <laughs> True. Uh, we could, Josh Ryder could just bleep that out. We'll just bleep his name like it's a bad word. It was also written by... <laughs> but, uh, quote, this werewolf has to be fast and has to kick ass and it has to be all practical. Um, Drew Goddard is uh, very particular in how the werewolf looked and was persistent until he got exactly what he wanted on the screen. And uh, jumping back here, it's the story of Dana, the virgin, Jules, the whore, Kurt (laughs) Vaughn, the athlete, Holden, the scholar, and uh, Drew and I's favorite fucking Marty, the fool, or as we'll call him the stoner. 
Oh yeah, uh, uh, that's that's the dude right there. <laughs> yeah, they're spending the week at Kurt's cousin's cabin, and uh, Kurt in an early role from uh, Chris Hemsworth. This was before he was Thor. <laughs> but uh, Marty has the greatest coffee mug in the fucking world. Uh, I want it, dude. I, dude I, I, yeah, you could probably get one online, but I want the exact one from the cabin in the woods i don't want some bullshit substitute i don't know if it existed before this movie but i guarantee you it inspired people afterwards Dude, it probably I mean, does exist now if we looked it up it's not like you've seen if nobody's seen it like you've had coffee cups that have like a little bowl on them so you can smoke yeah, like, yeah it's a yeah. coffee cup my man's got a thermos it's like the one you would get from like a gas station like there's like 16 20 ounce thermos yes yeah, like but you could like yeah. i guess like click it or something and it extends into like what, like a foot long bong, yeah, like man. foot and a half. Yeah, like that shit's it's badass, epic, man. Like I was gonna say, I've never seen anybody with one in person, but if I ever did, I would imagine it'd be me and you. If there was ever anybody who I'm gonna be like, who's gonna smoke out of this bong, compact it into a coffee mug, and then get out of their car and walk around the day just sipping <laughs> coffee? Um, it's me or John. <laughs> yeah, we need that. Uh, so the movie begins with engineers Gary and Steve uh, discussing a plan. For a mysterious ritual after the failure of a basically similar operation in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, after our stereotypical group enter the cabin, uh, they're hit with some drugs from Gary and Steve, who are controlling the lab remotely. The drugs make them all kinds of horny. <laughs> Back at the lab, we see the crew are making bets on the kinds of monsters that will attack the college students. And uh, our virgin Dana uh, recites incantations from the diary of Patience Buckner, a cabin resident uh, who was abused by her sadistic family. Steve releases pheromones to make Kurt and Jules have sex outside, and they get attacked by a zombie, and Jules straight up gets her head yeeted from her body. And Kurt... <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Got his got got his head yeeted. Yeeted. Well, her head <laughs> yeeted. Okay. Was yeeted from her body from the zombies. Uh, Kurt manages to escape, and uh, Marty finds the concealed surveillance equipment. So much for the stoner being the fool, huh? Yeah, man. And then he immediately gets taken away by zombies. Uh, cutting back to the lab, we learn that Japan also had a uh, failed ritual, and they mention that America, like always, is the world's last hope. Anyway, <laughs> holding Kurt and Dana try to get away in the RV, but Gary trigger, triggers the tunnel to collapse. And uh, in one of my favorite moments in the film, Kurt attempts to jump the ravine <laughs> on uh, was like a dirt bike. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he crashes right into a force field and just like slides down that bitch. Right into that fucking Skull Island <laughs> King Kong force field that Kong's in and Godzilla and, uh, versus Kong. Yeah, yeah. As you expect, he is dead. And uh, Holden and Dana uh, put two and two together. Took them longer than the stoner, huh? And they realize everything's staged. Uh, as they try once again to leave in the RV, Holden's killed by a zombie, and Dana's attacked after crashing into the lake. Uh, the workers at the lab celebrate the success of the ritual, uh, but their joy shut down pretty damn quick. The director, played by... I was I was throwing it over to you. Drew Goddard. Uh, calls to reveal that our boy Marty is still alive. Uh, Marty finds Dana and takes her to the hidden elevator he found. They descend into the lab and they find a huge array of different monsters in the cages. That's also a pretty badass scene. Yeah, yeah, agreed. 
Uh, Dana compares them to objects that were in the cabin cellar. She comes to the realization that the objects determined what monsters would be released. Well, what do you think the betting odds were on like zombies? Do, do you think they all had different odds? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't want to bet on any because I wouldn't want any of them released. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Dana and Marty are cornered by the security staff and then they release all the monsters and the monsters just go on and wreck shit and just kill the staff. Steve's killed by a merman. Gary's stabbed to death by Dana and, uh, Dana and Marty attempt to flee and find an ancient temple and are confronted by the director. She explains that the rights are a worldwide annual ritual. The director is Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the director of the movie. I'm baked and got confused. You said the director. I was like, I was like, I'll let him go. And then I think he'll, this is about where I figured she'd come back and be like, (laughs) wait a minute. Yeah, I guess I get you now. Sigourney Weaver. I just let you go sounded stupid for a couple minutes. It's all good. I rebounded. (laughs) I saw the light bulb click. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver plays the director. Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, she explains that the rites are a worldwide annual ritual of human sacrifice to appease the ancient ones. The ancient ones. <laughs> the ancient ones are a group of subterranean deities. Do you think like that ties in the chuds? The chud? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Chuds. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> a little better than chud though. Chubs? Ch- <laughs> That's a poor title, dude. I was going to say, that's a Giada Michaels. You just, you, just follow, no, you just followed up by House of the Cox and its Falls. Now we have to do Chubb with the letters and everything like, with a sword lid, but it's just... All right, I'll stop. If you know the cover of Chud, you'll know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just picturing a phallus poking out of a sewer lid right now, like covered in like green slime. Green slime. Yeah, there was there was some like evil angel action going on. I don't know. All right, anyway, move on. All right, get it back to the cabin in the woods. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Each region has their own ritual. You all right there? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> anyway. Each region has their own ritual, and in America, we do it the slasher movie way. Like I said when I gave them the archetypes earlier, that's what's required. The order of the killing doesn't matter so long as the whore dies first and the virgin dies last or survives. Yeah. I don't know why it's okay if she survives if it's all about human sacrifice. But uh, the director urges Dana to kill Marty to complete the ritual and spare humanity. Dana is about to, but then she's attacked by uh, your werewolf. Yeah. While Patience kills the director fucking out of nowhere. (laughs) Marty then kills everything (laughs) and everyone except Dana. They decide humanity is not worth saving at the price of human sacrifices. Dana apologizes to Marty, and I guess I was okay because they spark one up. Yeah. And the temple floor collapses. A giant hand emerges from the ground and destroys the lab and the cabin as the world ends. So it goes just from, like, a monster movie that people are being forced to be into, like... Forced? F- to this is the fucking apocalypse. Yeah, it, it goes from monster movie to apocalypse movie. And the thing that is, at the end of the movie, man, like, like uh, once shit breaks out, like, everything's destroyed rather quickly. I kind of want to know, like, the time span on how long it took the whole world to be destroyed. Because, I mean, like, that shit happens so rapidly. I mean, like, they literally spark up a joint, and by the end credits, like, everything's wrecked. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
And uh, I have some uh, knowledge notes that I want to say here real quick. You would like this, John. Heather Lang. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I okay. had to. Okay. Heather Langenkamp did the special effects on this movie. Really? Yep. She does makeup effects work. So that's pretty cool, right? That's hot. Um, that's hot. <laughs> and uh, Cabin in the Woods was inspired by the nukes at Los Alamos where Drew Goddard grew up. He said, quote, the whole town exists because it's a government lab that designs weapons, and that's the only reason the town exists, end quote. Images from Los Alamos in the 1950s were used to craft the set and inspire some of the costumes. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I've seen the old, like, have you ever seen the old test footage of, like, bombs? I mean, no. I mean, I know the whole Hills Have Eyes shit. Like, you know, uh, no. <laughs> besides, besides. You look, dude, those things are fucking, like, crazy. I can imagine. it's That stuff's kind of scary to look at. I like my horror, my horror being fiction, you know. My horror. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, you got anything else you want to say about your cabin in the woods? I said it all, dog. All right, well, then let's move on to our number one. Okay, and at number one on my list is The Burning from 1981. The Burning is essential viewing of the horror genre, regardless of if you're a slasher fan or not. It's simply one you do not miss or skip over because it's a landmark. Due to it being in the early 80s, it's a dead serious slasher like Friday the 13th. There's a few laughs and silly characters, but the movie is straightforward, and it's a shining example of the slasher genre at its absolute finest. Tom Savini did some of his best work on this movie. He turned down Friday the 13th Part 2 because he said, Jason is dead. And that it's ridiculous to bring him back. Well, it sounds like he was ridiculous because Jason was back. <laughs> <laughs> and it made a lot of money. More and more and more times, too. And, uh, well, Savini wanted to move on, and so he went on to do the next slasher film that would allow him to showcase his skills with more unique and brutal practical effects skills, The Burning. Uh, Tom would later return to the Friday the 13th series. Guess from, he realized he was ridiculous. Well, yeah, uh, he returned for my favorite installment, the fourth one, the final chapter. Uh, Tom agreed to do that movie because it's supposedly being the final one and all, and with Jason dying, he wanted to kill off the character that he created. So okay, I mean, that's pretty cool, right? So anyway, the burning is about a guy named Cropsy who's burned in his sleep in his cabin due to a prank gone wrong by some campgoers looking for payback because Cropsy was a drunk asshole. Five years later, um, Cropsy comes out of the hospital and goes to camp every year looking for the boys who burned him beyond recognition now to pay them some payback. Cropsy is played by Lou David, who didn't really do too many movies in his short-lived career. He's still alive as far as I know, but he just isn't very active. Um, which, you know, um, he had a, a role in the 1990 exploitation flick The Exterminator, directed by James Glickenhouse, which is a lot of fun. But also, uh, Lou David does a hell of a lot of... Uh, he does a hell of a job, I mean playing a silent and angry burn victim looking for revenge. This movie just feels like summer. I want to put on my swim trunks and flip-flops even thinking about it. You know, uh, cannot go a summer without it playing at, at least once, even if it's just in the background while I'm doing something else. Uh, question for you. Yeah. Silent burn victims. Cropsy. Who, who do you like more? Cropsy or Kane? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Cropsy would probably well. I don't know. Kane, Kane got got some supernatural powers like Undertaker. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cropsy. The Cropsy will pull them shears out and get you in the jugular. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I gotta say though, uh, like, even if people haven't seen this movie, I feel like a lot of people are familiar with the poster. The shears look over the yeah, head. It's yeah, classic. Absolutely classic eighties. <clears throat> and uh, 
Here's some knowledge nugs. Uh, Cropsy was named and based off of the Cropsy urban legend in which an escaped mental patient hunts children with a hook for a hand. Interesting. Um, this was... <laughs> always, always the mental patients like killing people. And hooks for hands, man. Um, but this was the film studio... This was the... Oh, here we go. Huh. This was the film studio Miramax's first project. They only made classy pictures. Right. And this was also Jason Alexander's first film, who you all know is George Costanza on Seinfeld. He wanted his shirt to read the number 69 as a sex joke, but the studio said no. And a slasher film with, with tits and gore, you know. That's uh, uncalled for. 69 on your jersey is a no-no, so you have to. Uh, Grow up. So that's why his jersey says uh, 96 instead. Uh, he also added his own lines of dialogue to be funnier. So I guess even though it was his first film, he had kind of had a Robert Downey Jr. moment where he felt that he could just do whatever the fuck he wanted and they let him. But uh, also, while I'm talking about the cast, Leah Ayers, who plays Michelle, you know, the lead uh, the lead babe in the film, she's from our movie Bloodsport. Oh, hell yeah, Bloodsport. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. All right. Um, uh, I was going to say Miramax. Where are they now? Fucking yeah, man. Like, hardly... <laughs> You can't, you can't, you can't go around molesting actresses for like thirty years or whatever, and not think you're gonna get caught. I shouldn't have laughed at that. That's not what I mean. I don't mean to laugh. I mean laugh is that ha ha fuck you guys. Like that's what you get. You're right. Um, now they're they're laying low under the radar like Kevin Spacey, <laughs> except he kind of popped his head out recently. Yeah, what the fuck, Kevin Spacey coming back? Yeah, for he a just movie. he just disappeared he's still for a villain. Of I guess years. it makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, the raft, <laughs> the raft scene in the burning. Got the film an X rating and needed to be trimmed drastically. The full uncut version is now available after many years of waiting. We mentioned this in another episode, actually. But uh, anyway, Cropsey kills all of the nice people in the scene. And essentially, that's symbolizing that he kills Hope right away in the first kill scene. And uh, this kill was also what got the burning put on the UK's video nasties list. Of all things considered, it's ridiculous that this movie was on the video nasties That's the list. only thing it got at all here? That, that's, yeah, that's it. That, that, that. He's a scene on the raft where he just kills the people. Like, right. Yeah, that puts it on the list with I Spit on Your Grave and Cannibal Holocaust <laughs> yeah. for some reason. Whatever. Basically. Uh, and uh, lastly, director Tony Malum said that the he did a, he did quick shots of Cropsey's face and didn't want to show him for too long because he didn't feel that the makeup would hold up. I guess he wasn't as convinced by Savini's work as everyone else was. Um, but he also said that he wishes that he'd done stylized burns for Cropsey, like Freddy Krueger, because he feels that Cropsey is unpleasant to look at. But I like that, though. That doesn't bother me. It makes it more disturbing. Yeah, I'm fine with it. And uh, I gotta say, uh, bringing up your knowledge nugs, uh, I'm definitely watching Bloodsport after we're done here. What is it called again? Bloodsport. There we go. <laughs> now I'm never going to hear it the same way again. Speaking of which, real quick. Hopefully some of you listeners are John claude Van Damme fans. Otherwise, you'll be bored for like 10 seconds. There's like a line of action figures coming out by Diamond Select Toys of Van Damme. And the first one is from Bloodsport. Oh, and it's only geez. like a $30 figure. It's not expensive. It's like a nice figure on a stand of him like posed on like the mat. Like like with his black trunks on. I'm like, yo, I'm going to get that Is it just him? Shit. Yeah, it's just him. But he's throwing like a high kick. And uh, it's nah, just I want, him. I want the split, dog. Well, there's pop culture shot collectibles that did like a fucking like, or they're doing like a $3,000 Van Damme statue. And I like Van Damme, but if I'm spending three grand on a statue, it's going to be Godzilla or something horror. I'm not dropping three G's on Van Damme and a loincloth. I'm sorry, you said three G's? Yeah. Uh, Is Chong Lee coming with it too? They're making him, but he's a separate piece you have to buy. (gasps) That's bullshit. Like I should get, (laughs) I should get Frank Dukes, Chong Lee, and Jackson 
like yeah, for right? thousand. Get the exclusive. Get Jackson's bandana. And that's still overpriced in my opinion. Get that Horley Davidson bandana as part of yeah, a bandana. Yeah, dude. And then I do part I, of a bandana. I mean, I'd part sh- of an exclusive. I'd straight up. I would have Chong Lee stomp it on his head. That would be the pose I'd put it in. <laughs> Damn, you gotta go for the the, the brutal. What would Van Damme do? Chong Lee was a bad motherfucker. You'd have to pose Van Damme with like until he Yokozuna him. <laughs> you'd have to. Uh, but you'd have to pose the Van Damme like when he gets powder in his eyes. Pose <laughs> like the close-up? <laughs> yeah, with his hands. Anyway, anyway, let's get back to the point. You want to get on with your number one now? Yeah. All right. Yeah, we, I think that was more than 10 seconds. I think I said 30. No, I said 10. You said 10. That was more like three minutes, maybe. <laughs> All right, before I get to my number one, I know a lot of you are like, where the fuck is Jason? Uh, we have covered so many Friday the 13th on previous episodes, and we'd probably like to get some people from the other ones we haven't covered. So we didn't include those on the list, but I mean, we we're all talk know, about later. We all know Jason is is the number one summer camp movie. But anyway, with that said, I think now that we you know it's not a Friday the 13th, I think number one, there should be no surprise. From 1983, known as Nightmare Vacation in the UK, we're talking about motherfucking Sleepaway Camp. The film that put Felissa Rose on the horror map in the main role of Angela. Oh, man. I was lucky. Drew Drew did his list first, and I, th- I think he was just being nice to me, but I was surprised that Sleepaway Camp was not on there. You actually just saved me. I was coughing. I needed to pause. <laughs> And I was going to say pause so Josh could edit that out, and you just kept talking and saved that. So good on you. Um, roll on. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I actually, actually saw <laughs> I actually saw these movies out of order. Um, the so the twist of the first film was spoiled for me, um, uh, but I still loved it. It disappointed me a bit with some of the kills not being what they could be, like how there's no bees and the bee attack scene. <laughs> but uh, that was one that I kept coming back to, and it grew on me more and more every time I watched it. He said there's no bees. It made me think of the movie Crush. Yeah. <laughs> Even that could afford bees, damn. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's, yeah, bare bones, but it works. It's the summer of 1975, and John Baker, along with his partner Lenny, take John's kids, Angela and Peter, on a boating trip to Camp Arawak. The kids prank their dad by capsizing the boat. They swim the shore where Lenny is waiting for them. And a reckless-ass camp counselor, Mary Ann, hits John and Peter with her speedboat as Angela, as the only, well, I'm sorry, leaves Angela as the only sole survivor. Yo, we need to talk about, like, how horrible and irresponsible camp counselors are in a lot of these movies. Like, Yeah, man, that's like, true. Jason just, motherfucking drowns. Just the 13th. Jason drowns so somebody could get their dick wet. That's fucked they, up. They dick wet. That's fucked up, man. Fucked up. Anyway, eight years later, Angela's living with her crazy-ass aunt, Dr. Martha Thomas, and her son, Ricky. <laughs> crazy-ass aunt. She, she, is she not crazy? She's fucking loony as hell, man. Her aunt, for whatever reason, thinks it's a good idea to send Angela to Camp Arawak with Ricky, who went to camp there before. Like, why the hell would she think this is a good idea at all? Like, <laughs> it's a horrible idea. Hey, I know, uh, you know, you lost your entire fucking family at this uh, beach, so uh, or at this camp, so why don't you go back there for summer camp? Yeah, it's... <laughs> anyway, obviously... Get over your traumas, face your fears. Yeah, fix your life. <laughs> Angela is shy, timid, and introverted. This leads to her becoming a target for bullying. Most of it comes from her bunkmate Judy and a counselor, Meg. Uh, the other counselor, Susie, and the head counselor, Ronnie, try to help her make... Her 
will try to help make her time at the camp easier. If that wasn't bad enough, Artie, the head cook, takes Angela into the kitchen pantry and attempts to molest her. Like, goddamn, like, your two memories at this point, well, I guess three memories of this camp, are your family died, these people are fucking bullying you and teasing you, and now the fucking cook's trying to, like, molest you in the pantry. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's one of the, uh, the whole line when, it's like the, when he sees the kids walking by and he goes, that's what I call baldies. Oh, <laughs> man, what a fucking scumbag. He's, you want him to die, like, immediately. Like, no matter, like, unredeemable. Kill that fucker right away. He lets get him done. And he does, too. He definitely, uh, my man gets his shit. <laughs> he gets his shit. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> he's Dude, caught sure. by Ricky, who runs away with Angela. She's, uh, straight up not having a good time. And uh, Camp Arawak just sounds like a shitty-ass place to be. It does. It definitely does. Uh, Ricky gets his comeuppance. Uh, or I'm sorry, the, the, the cook gets his comeuppance when an unseen figure causes Artie to uh, knock over a pot of boiling water and he ends up looking like the nurse from Halloween 2 in the jacuzzi. <laughs> yeah, with the flaky skin. You're the right. Flaky skin with your melted-ass face. Yeah, and he, gets the, every, he deserved worse. The camp owner, Mel, says it was an accident to try to sweep this all under the rug. Uh, the next day, Angela's getting mocked by Kenny and Mike. Like, each day is just worse and worse for her. Yeah, man. Uh, this leads to Ricky and his friend Paul squaring up with him. And uh, Paul ends up getting a little crush on Angela. <clears throat> he gets Angela to talk for the first time in the movie. Uh, the night she pranks a girl uh, named Leslie by trip uh, tipping her boat. And then Kenny is drowned by someone we can't see again. Mel once again says it's an accident, but uh, at this point, the police ain't buying that shit. And uh, Paul asks Angela to movie night with him. After the movie, kisses her goodnight twice, and Angela pushes him away and says she has to go. Uh, campers Billy and Mike throw water balloons at Angela. Like, does everybody, like, form a pack or, like, let's fuck with her? Like, just this one person. Like, that's the, hey, that's a popular thing to do. Uh, Billy ends up getting stung to death when a figure we once again can't see traps him in the bathroom and drops a whole goddamn hive of bees in there. That we never see, but yeah. Whatever. <laughs> now Mel's now Mel suspects a killer is in the camp. You think, Mel? <sighs> like, <laughs> right. It only took the third death for you to be like, something's not right. Worried about that. How profit? much is this man paying out insurance? This camp's getting shut the fuck down. <laughs> that's that's the truth, man. Totally. Uh, Paul and Angela are chilling around the lake, and they start making out. Now seems like a good time for her to have a flashback to her and Peter finding her dad in bed with his partner Lenny. This leads to Angela pulling back again from Paul and leaving them all blue balled and confused. <laughs> blue balled and confused. <laughs> 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 that's uh, how you doing today i'm blue bold and confused i've been there i'm that anyway <laughs> the, the next day during a flag game judy takes the chance to make her move on paul angela finds the two of them kissing paul attempts to explain himself at the lake however judy and meg take the chance to throw angela in the lake ricky rescues her and the children throw sand at him like, these kids are the fucking worst. It's like, you don't feel bad that half of them are dying. He promises revenge on Angela's tormentors. And uh, Meg's supposed to meet up with Mel, but instead she gets stabbed to death in the shower. At that night's social, Paul apologizes for everything that happened with Judy. 
and Angela says to meet her, meet her at the waterfront later. The kids who threw sand at Angela earlier camping in the woods with their counselor, Eddie. Two of the kids ask Eddie to take them back to the main camp, and by the time Eddie comes back to that camp, the four remaining kids are all hacked up. Also, why are you, like... I don't think you could do that. Like, you got to leave the kids with somebody. Like, <laughs> you just true. left them with, like, no adult. That's true. And how do you explain their death? Like, how they got hacked up? Who was there to watch them and protect them? Right? Uh, they were sleeping. I didn't think I needed to. <laughs> they was asleep. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the main camp, the killer enters Judy's cabin and murders her. This is, like, the darkest kill in the film, no? Like, Man, that kill is bad. That uh, the, the straightening iron rapes oh her with a hot curling iron. Oh my god, it's so that's, brutal. Yeah, that's uh, and all you see is the shadow on the wall. But you're just like, with the first time you watch that movie, you're going, "No, nah, they're not. No, nah, no, nah, they won't." It oh. smothers her with a pillow, and you hear that. You hear that, like the sizzling. That's yeah, it's bacon's terrible. ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tuna melt. Oh, you had to go there. <laughs> What? Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> the bacon, but okay. <laughs> I mean, you you went you went tuna. Come on, everybody knows why that's more fucked up. Anyway, the camp is in full freakout mode now. Talking about <laughs> Bell finds Meg's dead body, and they're convinced Ricky's the killer since he publicly swore revenge. So yeah, that's probably not a good look for Ricky at this point. <laughs> yeah. Mel beats the fuck out of Ricky and <laughs> escapes into the woods. Only problem is he framed the wrong guy. Mel runs into the real murderer, and it appears like he recognizes the killer before being shot in the throat by an arrow. Like, I have to say, this movie does a good job of, like, ramping up the kills. With I agree, one. yeah. And They're all good and creative, too. Frank is called, and he looks with the counselors for the missing campers. He finds Ricky unconscious but alive. Paul meets up with Angela at the waterfront, and he suggests they skinny dip. After they do, Ronnie and Susie find Angela sitting on the shore, and Paul, who's laying in Angela's lap as she strokes his hair. I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to come back to the skinny dip once we get get get, get to the end. I got a question about that. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Now, now, now we got a flashback, and uh, Crazy Aunt Martha is welcoming the survivor of the boat accident. But in the flashback, we learned that it was actually Angela who died in the boating accident. Martha has been raising Peter as Angela because she already had a boy and wanted a girl. I mean, I don't think it works that way. But uh, with that information, we jump back to the president and the president. Jesus. (laughs) We're back in the present. And Angela, who's actually Peter, drops Paul's severed head on the ground. Peter stands up nude, drenched in blood, and that swing and wang in full view. <laughs> swing and that wang. That thing just swang. <laughs> Susie and Ronnie are shocked, and we see them with like a deranged expression that fades into a green tint as the credits roll. I said I wanted to jump back to the skinny dip. Do you think that Paul was aware when they skinny dipped? Do you think he saw the dick? <laughs> That's a good point, man. <laughs> the way you said that. Um, uh, to be truthful, and here's here's a, here's an answer for you. 
that dick had a big dark bush around it, and it was dark <laughs> outside, so it might have been masked in the dark Be water. Like, oh damn, you just got a really big clit. Or just uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> too far. Yeah, I guess I don't. I don't think Peter saw it. Um, if he did, he might. I don't know. Uh, that one's touchy, man. But his <laughs> decapitated head just resting on it, though. <laughs> Tapping the back of his head. <laughs> Nestled his cheek on it. <laughs> oh, shit. We're being really immature. A lot of dick jokes going down this episode. So that was, uh, that was number one. Um, okay. It was... Uh, it was, it was... I mean, I feel like everybody knows it now. And even if they haven't seen it, they've heard about it. But, like... Yeah. Uh, it was like It was shocking when it came out. Even when I was a kid at that point, I mean... You didn't have the internet to ruin everything, so yeah. I didn't know about that. Totally, man, and uh, yeah, I'm. I, you know, the, I think the movies that we picked were good movies because uh, they all have that true, like, genuine summertime feel to them. Like, they all feel like summer when you're watching them. Like the the, yeah, like the scenery not- and everything puts you in that time. When you're watching that movie, you know what's where you're at. You know, with these movies, I mean, when you're watching them, you know what time you're in. You know, you know what time of year it is. Like, you understand everything. You feel like you've been at these, regardless if you've seen the camps before, just, oh, that's a camp during the summer. Very summertime movies, and I think these were good choices. It wasn't like, for example, Friday the 13th Part 6. I know that's your movie, but, you know, it's all, like, fall and shit there, like, wind blowing and stuff like that, and that's not summer. You feel what I'm saying? Like, these were summer movies, so good choices. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, you just have those movies that you want to watch around certain times, like, I, like, you got art over there. Like, I feel like... I, I don't watch, I watch Terrifier a lot during the year, but I don't watch it a lot throughout the year. I feel like around, like, once it hits, like, fall, late, maybe late August, probably not even late August, like, mid, mid mid-September through Halloween, like, I feel like I watch that a lot. I would have watched it in the spring, but Kenny didn't want to watch it. Yeah, of course. Fucking Kenny. Fucking Kenny. Thanks for listening, Kenny. (laughs) 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 All right, anyway, um. The, the film crew from Creepshow came over, right over uh, from Creepshow, and started working on this movie, which is interesting. I, I did not know that. That's um, pretty interesting. I mean, I'd love fucking Creepshow. Yeah, I mean, those guys kept busy, and they put out some good work. Um, uh, Ricky was supposed to die in the original script from that beatdown that he gets at the end of Damn. the film. He was supposed to die from that. Yeah, he got melt fucked him up. He, that was a TKO, bro. That was a, <laughs> that was a TKO. Herb, Herb Dean letting him die. <laughs> um... All right, uh, director Robert Hiltzik says that he had this movie in his head before Friday the 13th broke, so he likes to take credit for having the first summer camp slasher idea conception. Um, He also said that he regrets that he killed children in the movie. I don't mind that, though. I think it helps give the movie a set of balls, pun intended. Um, And Hiltzik actually went on to Camp Arawak in real life. Just proves your aunt can make you into a homicidal killer. Right. And uh, also, uh, here's a good one. Naked Angela at the end of the movie uh, with her wiener swanging, as you would say, (laughs) was actually a drunk college guy wearing an Angela mask. The guy who was so ashamed of his part in the film that he's never taken credit for the role despite their efforts. Uh, no one from the movie can find him or contact him. It's probably because of that bush you talked about. <laughs> and I uh, I brought this up to Felissa Rose when I met her. Um, she couldn't believe that I knew that. I jumped uh, and she jumped up from behind her table and like hugged me like she was so impressed because I was talking to her like she was filming. They're filming a documentary about Sleepaway Camp. I can't remember what it's called. I think it fell through right now. But uh, but like. Uh, 
basically um like she was they were trying to find him that was part of the thing and i asked her like did you find this guy like did you find out who he was and she couldn't believe i knew and uh i told her you know i do my homework and she told me she fucking loved me and hugged me again so that's that shit i'll always remember but i guess she said that they did not find him they did not find him no like no one could still find him like and the truth it's not not trying to be grim or nothing like the dude might have totally just gone off the face of the map and it's like it was one of those like oh yeah i was in a movie sometime and it's true it might it might be that he doesn't know the movies out there or what it's called he <laughs> like, might be living oblivious to it i was a dick guy sleep he's, he's just one story away like he's so embarrassed about it he just sells but yeah i did this movie one time i don't know nothing about it like but uh i, think, I just i was nude at the end i had to wear like a little girl's like 13 14 year old mask and uh yeah uh, i think something along those lines and then people would be like dude you were fucking angelo at sleepaway camp but he would be so like conventions would be calling him be like up. no like, i'm peter dog <laughs> how many people would have him sign over like the dick of like their pictures oh my like, God. of angela i'll tell you here's my theory I think, obviously, the guy was trying to be an actor. Yeah. I feel like he failed out of... I have, I have no knowledge to support any of this. This is okay. just me. Okay. I want to make this clear. I'm not saying, like, this is what he was doing. I am blatantly making this out of thin air. I think what happened is the guy tried to do acting. He That's about the only thing he was ever able to do. He maybe did, like, a couple other things that didn't work out, possibly. Failed out of his dream of being an actor that I think later he found God and he's a religious person now and he's ashamed because of what he did in that movie. That's my theory. How high are you? Oh, I'm high. Shit. You gave this guy a backstory. He found God. Your man, Tell me your that. theory of all this, you just, he found God. He found his God okay. Because he was fail. Fine. I, I was just giving you the brief story. Here's what happened. Oh, maybe I should. have. I don't know. My idea is he, he maybe had a drug problem. This I, <laughs> hey, if, if you did it, dude, and for some reason you're listening to this for whatever reason, my man. Like I'm just making up stories here. Yeah. I think he failed out of his dream of being an actor, got a drug problem, hit rock bottom, found God, and now he's ashamed by what he did in Sleepaway Camp and doesn't want to be found and talk about it and then because then he'll have to talk about everything. I mean, and but yes, then, I am high as fuck. But then he'd but have I think to that's repent. a solid fucking theory. He'd have to repent for his sins. So I mean, I maybe guess not those. He wouldn't to have the to team, make it. He would have to make it. But public. he found God, and he's ashamed of the movie he was in. His wife knows who he is. His she, wife knows what he did. His wife knows. His wife knows. I'm telling you, he became religious. He's embarrassed. <clears throat> All right. Well, while I'm here, I'll end it. Here's my theory. <sighs> No, I'm not going to top finding God. And you, you, you set my man on a career path. I'm going to let it ride with that. <laughs> you playing the game of life, dog. I'm going to send him out into the sunset on that path. <laughs> sunset? <laughs> I, wherever he is, I, if he's still alive, who knows, since nobody can find him. Hopefully he's doing okay and didn't have a, a drug problem, like I said. And if you happen to listen to the podcast and you are said said uh angela's wang uh please <laughs> contact us and let us know because we'll peter's talk to you wang, dog. peter's wang <laughs> that's true that's true okay it's, it's still still old stunt guy stunt guy for pete's wang old, old Petey cut <laughs> if you are listening to this which i doubt you are definitely let's 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 unbury the truth here let's uncover the truth TV and Cooper. let's talk about it man i need to know we need, we need to know. know the world needs to know what it was like to do that final scene of how it was on set because it's become this like mythical that's not the right word to use. Mythical. It's yeah, become it's mythical. This, it's a it's, mythical cock. Yeah. <laughs> it's become this. <laughs> it's 
become this thing that fans talk about. It's a mystery that people want solved. So come out of the come out from under the woodwork, Peter Scott. <laughs> Uh, so maybe next week we'll be joining you with Peter's cock. We'll let you know. Hopefully not, but <laughs> I think that is way probably too many dick references we've had <laughs> in the last like twenty five minutes. It's two forty five so, in the morning. It's two. Or how it much weed Talking does yeah, a lot of dick and a lot of dick jokes going down tonight. But remember, when they find him, I said it here first on High on Horror. He became religious and he's embarrassed. <laughs> we really lived up to our uh, the Howard Stern of horror today, didn't we? <laughs> uh, we Should worse. we be so embarrassed we go into hiding now? No, I'm not. All right, no. fair enough. I think it's I think it's time to land this plane. We tried to stop rambling, and then we just <laughs> got back into rambling. rambling. All okay. right, we're landing this thing. <clears throat> Let's do this. Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. And uh, I know we were supposed to have Ruth Paxton on this week, but uh, just had some conflicts uh, with schedules, so hopefully uh, we'll get that to you next week. But uh, definitely contact us online. Let us know what some of your favorite like summertime camp movies are. And let us know what you thought of our list. Yeah, and if you don't like our list, then fuck you. You're terrible. <laughs> we got two words for you. There's another dick reference joke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll just stop it there. Get gimmick infringement. <laughs> anyway, follow us online at High on Horror 420 on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I don't think I've uploaded a TikTok video in a while. I should probably work on that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we be- we behind in the TikTok. Huh? Just fucking stoners, man. Check out our website, highonhorror.com, and sign up for our newsletter and get the uh, latest episodes and guest announcements sent to your inbox. And uh, you can always email us at highonhorror420 at gmail.com. And uh, I guess that'll about wrap her up. Catch you later. Bye, everybody.